0: Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. I am Jolan Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardoch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable is an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with The Pledge Radio in Michigan and Lancer Broadcasting in the Midwest.
1: America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. We thank you for tuning in to America's Roundtable. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and via YouTube on the International Leaders Summit.
0: On behalf of our engaged listening audience, via the Pledge Radio in Michigan, Lancer Broadcasting in the Midwest, we're delighted to welcome Hogan Gidley, Trump 2020 Campaign National Press Secretary. Welcome, Hogan.
1: Welcome, Hogan.
2: Thank you so much for the time. I do appreciate you having me.
1: Uh, U.S. election laws date back to Article 1 of the U.S. Constitution. This gave states the responsibility of overseeing federal elections. Many constitutional amendments and federal laws have been passed since then to expand and protect voting rights. As a response to coronavirus pandemic, states expanded access to mail-in voting in this year's elections. A record 76% of American voters will be able to vote by mail in this year's elections. How do we secure free and fair elections on November 3rd? Hogan, what are the potential venues or ways for voter abuse and fraud, and what mechanisms do we have on our disposal to prevent the voter fraud?
2: That's a great question, and one of the things we've been concerned about here at the Trump for President campaign is the decision by democrats to try and completely overhaul the way this country conducts elections just three months before an election there are only a handful of states about five of them exactly that do uh... universal mail-in voting What the Democrats are trying to do is pass on that measure of universal mail-in voting uh, to the rest of the country. They're actually suing in 10 states to allow votes to come in after Election Day. Here's a great example. In the state of Nevada, they have now passed a law signed by the governor that they will mail out 2 million ballots to the residents of the state of Nevada, those ballots will have envelopes inside that are prepaid the post office does not date stamp prepaid envelopes what that means is under that new law they have legalized voting after the election because it allows for votes to come in and be counted three days after election day if there is no date on the envelope so if you're a Democrat and you wake up in La, uh, in Las Vegas, for example, and see the news that President Donald Trump is leading by 100 votes, you can literally say to your cohorts, go find me 101 votes, because with this new law, you can drop all of those ballots in the mail on Wednesday, get it to the Election Commission by Friday, and it will be counted. That is an egregious Piece of legislation, and it opens the door for rampant fraud and abuse. All kinds of cheating can be em- be employed by anyone, for that matter, not just Democrats, but they are the ones trying to uh, prevent the election from being over on election day, and instead extend voting just in case they need to go and get more votes.
1: Right, and what can be done to prevent this from happening?
2: Well, a couple of things. Number one, drawing attention to it. And this president has done a good job talking about the difference. Between absentee voting, which of course is a ballot you ask for and then get in return, uh, as opposed to universal voting that goes out to everyone, whether you want a ballot or not. And in the state of Nevada, they are also going to leave open the polling places on election day, meaning you could theoretically vote twice, uh, once by the universal mail in ballot and second on election day. So drawing attention to these problems is part of it. The second is to uh, defend this uh, heinous idea. Through the legal system. And we have countersued, we have worked to block all of the ways these Democrats are trying to mess with our um, election system because the president has been very clear. He wants every single person's vote to count, he wants it to be free, he wants it to be fair. And if there is any meddling in this election by Democrats, We're going to know about it because, for the first time ever, the federal government is now working with the state and local levels to ensure ballot safety, meaning in 2016, the Barack Obama administration knew that Russia was trying to meddle in the election. And what we found out, thankfully, is that it didn't really affect the outcome. But the second part of that is that the Obama administration just let it happen. This president said, we're not going to do that. We're now pressure testing ballots at the local level to make sure that the machines can't be messed with. It is a whole-of-government approach with, with places like the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, entities that have never... Been brought in before to protect the integrity of an election, but they have been brought in now because this president wants to secure our election system. And you cannot have a holistic change just you know three months before the election, and you can't have foreign interference. So he's moving to protect both.
1: Right. It is certainly better to stop voter fraud from happening than to deal with it after November third.
2: That's an interesting point, if I may. I, I got asked that on television, and someone said to me. But there is no evidence of voter fraud. First of all, there's plenty of evidence of voter fraud all across this country. Go look at any local newscast, number one. But number two, that argument's faulty on its face. So you're telling me we have to have a lot of fraud occur before we look to address it? That's just silly. You want to make sure you have preventative measures in place before the fraud occurs so you can stop it, not afterwards, because as you know, that would create all types of legal issues, legal problems, challenges, and concern across America that the election was not free and it was
0: not fair. Hogan, it appears that in choosing Kamala Harris, a California senator, as his running mate this past week, Joe Biden checked certain key boxes that he had. A woman, a minority, and a progressive. If Biden is elected, he would be the oldest president on Inauguration Day at age 78. And some have conveyed concerns about Biden, noting his declining mental acuity and have also suggested he wouldn't run for a re-election. With genuine concerns about Biden's agility and especially mental competence, which is key to rational decision-making, especially in the Oval Office, there is legitimate call for greater scrutiny on Kamala Harris joining Biden as the Democratic vice presidential candidate. Hogan, what should voters be aware of when reviewing Biden's pick for vice president?
2: Well, you said that he would be the oldest president ever elected. That is true. But based on Kamala Harris's voting record, as now outlined by so many different organizations, they would also now be the most liberal, most radical, most progressive ticket in the history of this country. When you have issues on the table that they both support, like defunding the police, or open borders, making sure illegal aliens have free health care, like a a complete government takeover of our health care system. Those are just a few of the items uh, where they are going to be trying to push that onto the American people. And as we try to come out of COVID, for example, and and get our economy back going, we've had three record-setting months of job creation in this country in the last three months, thanks to this president's leadership and guidance through this global pandemic. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's answer to our economic prosperity for the last three years, up to and including the last three months, is to put a $4 trillion tax onto 82% of the American people I cannot imagine for the life of me why any American in this time of uncertainty would say I'm going to elect somebody who desire whose desire whose stated goal who brags about taking money out of my pocket and giving it over to the government that's a serious problem and when you look at the amnesty decisions from Kamala Harris and Joe Biden they want to grant tens of millions of people Uh, status for citizenship in this country that would flood the market with jobs, uh, with people for cheap labor in this country in a time when Americans need those jobs. So it's pretty clear that this group, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, is wrong for America, is wrong for our futures. And make no mistake, uh, what we've seen with the coronavirus, what we've seen with their desire to defund the police, and what we've seen with the horrific jobs record of the Joe Biden uh, administration for the last eight years, we know that your jobs aren't safe and your family isn't safe and your American way of life is not safe with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because their policies and their desires wage war on all three.
0: Hogan, you've made some very important points uh, on America's Roundtable in regard to Kamala Harris. We also noticed uh, for the record is that Miss Harris was one of just and senators who voted against the USMCA, President Trump's renegotiated version of the North American Free Trade Agreement. And Senator Harris opposed this major trade deal, which actually provides a level playing field and addressed the concerns of America's farmers, businesses, and entrepreneurs, where they noticed a significant loss of jobs over the years. Now, Hogan, what does this tell us about Miss Harris' stance on trade and perhaps future trade talks with China.
2: That's a great uh, point you make there, because uh, I always like to say so many politicians like to speak in the abstract. Here's what I would do for you. Here's what I'd like to do for you. Here's some thoughts I have for your future. You don't have to guess how an economy would look under Joe Biden. We saw it for eight years. You saw depressed wages. 60,000 manufacturing plants closed, 850,000 jobs gone because of NAFTA, which the president did replace with the USMCA trade deal. Um, Not to mention the fact there were 3.5 million jobs that left hardworking Americans and went straight to China because of Joe Biden's uh, ideology. The fact is, this president came in and had created more jobs than there were people to fill them. This president came in and we saw record highs in the stock market, which is good for your 401Ks and IRAs and retirement accounts. African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women, all with a record low unemployment. A very, very impressive statistic. And also these trade deals that you just mentioned, that's what's so important. The president for the first time in decades was a man who understood the importance of standing up for the middle class, protecting um, our middle class families and the American worker. And with the trade deals he created uh, with foreign leaders, they not only protected um, our, our citizens first, they also were profitable for our citizens and put the world on notice that we weren't going to be taken advantage of any longer. It's a really strong record. And I think as elections are about choices, when the American people take a look at Joe Biden and Donald Trump, they're going to see someone who puts America first in Donald Trump as someone who is looking out for their future, who has an uplifting, unifying, patriotic message versus Joe Biden, who has a 50-year career of failed policies uh, pushing for america last always propping up china over our own country and i think that's going to be a clear choice when the people go to vote
1: right and as you mentioned the choice actually the main question is which team can rebuild the u.s economy appended by the coronavirus pandemic caused by china
2: yeah i mean obvious obviously it's, it's president donald trump listen he he rebuilt this economy once he can do it again. When Joe Biden was in office and had it for eight years, he didn't. I listed all the ways the economy was floundering and failing under his administration. And so when you look at the last three months, as I pointed out, and we've seen the record job growth coming back into this country, the comeback has already started. You cannot tack on a massive, historic tax increase on top of the American people's backs. Be, uh, as they're trying to get out from under something that was unforeseen unprecedented and, and and was destructive across the globe it's just foolishness to try and do that but that's what joe biden wants to do and so i think when you see him on camera and you see him bragging about the fact he and kamal harris both that one of the first things they want to do is get rid of the tax cuts and raise your taxes i don't know that that's a message that the american people are going to like or want when it comes time to actually pull the lever
0: Hogan Gidley, Trump 2020 Campaign National Press Secretary. Thank you so much, Hogan, for joining us on America's Roundtable.
1: Thank you, Hogan.
2: Thank you so much. Have a great day.
0: Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. I am and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardoch, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable is an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with the Pledge Radio in Michigan and Lancer Broadcasting in the Midwest.
1: America's Roundtable brings together leading voices from business, government, media, and the public policy arena. We thank you for tuning in to America's Roundtable. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts and via YouTube on the International Leaders Summit.